Welcome to Destined for Success. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and this is part one of a three-part series, 12 Minutes to Win. We're going to talk about the W-I-N in winning, and winning can be anything you want it to be. It's whatever is right for you. So let's jump into to the W part of this acronym. W is for the wisdom within. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're an entrepreneur, possibly a small business owner, or someone in a leadership position. These are the main type people I attract and talk to. If you're outside of that category, not a problem. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to be great. Stay with me. So the wisdom within, I don't know how many coaches, business coaches I've had say over the years, don't worry about the how, just worry about what you want and it'll come. Well, that wasn't always very helpful. I'm like a doer kind of person. Like, tell me what to do and let's get the result. That's what I want to work on and with. So as I'm trying to make this all happen, I realized that I can't just wait for the how. I can't just let it happen. And then I'm working with a coach and she has an online training that I bought and they sent me to this YouTube video and this gentleman does a meditation and instead of just leaving it of the how will show up, you have the wisdom within, he takes it one step further and he said, throughout the day, ask yourself, what's the next step that I can take? Oh, okay. Well, that feels a lot different to me. It's not just like sitting back and waiting for something to happen. I, I can actually take action. And sometimes I even know what the next step, the action is. So have you ever known what action you needed to take, but you didn't seem to be able to take it? Yeah. Okay. Me too. You're not alone, please. And wait, I hope I'm not alone in this journey, in this quest, in this you know, search for meaning and knowledge and all the things. We have these little stories that go through our head. And when you're a baby and you're, you know, a newborn, like your brain is clear, it's empty. Every experience is a new experience. But as time goes on and you have experiences, it's almost as if that experience, how you felt, and what the outcome was, had been written on an index card. You know, the little three by five index cards. So as you get a little bit older and a little bit older, you're able to draw on that past experience. So take a little kid who walks up to a hot stove and they reach up and whatever responsible adult is nearby says, no, it's hot, but you got a little close and you didn't necessarily burn your little fingers, 
that you realized it was hot and that wasn't going to feel good. So you pull your hand back. So now you know, as you know, a little toddler, if somebody says something hot, it, it's going to be really hot and you don't like that. So you write it down on the index card and you file it away and you go to reach into the bathtub and somebody says, no, that water's hot. You pull back. You go to step outside and you're barefoot and they say, no, the pavement's hot. Grab your shoes, put your shoes on. So you start making all these connections for what's hot. And there's a level of hot like soup. You want it to be a certain amount of hot, but not like burn your throat. Coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I hear people like it better hot than they do cold. I don't know. It's a thing. I don't I don't get it, but okay, it's a thing. So you learn these things and you you put this this index card. Like there's an index card for the different events, the different lessons learned, and you know which one to pull out. Well, what about that time that your sister really embarrassed you? You said something you thought was really smart and she said how stupid you actually were and you felt really embarrassed. How was that recorded on your index card and filed away? It could have been something like, my sister's stupid. She doesn't know any better. I'm right. And there's nothing to be put on the index card. It was a non-game starter. Nothing really happened. But if, when your sister said you were stupid, you don't really know what you're talking about, it became ingrained and you had a lot of feelings with it, then you start having these little negative thoughts that run through your head. I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And now you have an index card to prove it. And the next time somebody says something ugly to you, you add it to that index card. So the index card that had one thing of your sister saying one tacky thing to you now is like filled in super teeny tiny fine print. Every single time that it happens, it just keeps showing up and it's written down again and again and again. So now your first response to anything that doesn't go well is to begin reciting all the stories. Are they true? No, they're not true. <laughs> they're not. If you didn't know, spoiler alert, they're not true. But that wisdom within you starts to believe it's true because it's written on an index card and you've pulled it out hundreds of thousands of times. I have heard that there are studies that people put public speaking right up there as traumatic as the death of a loved one. They do not want to take a mic. They do not want to step on a stage. Lucky for me as a speaker and a podcaster and an author and a trainer, like I don't have that problem. Hand me the mic. I'll, I'll come up with something to say. But a lot of people are really frightened by it. 
Many, many years ago, I heard this story. Hopefully it's true. I don't know. But the analogy is really good, even if it didn't happen. But a little boy walks up in front of his class in first grade. And it's show and tell day. And he brings his little frog to show the class, whatever it was, stuffed animal, I don't know. But he gets up in front of the class and everybody starts pointing and laughing because first graders, they're heartless. They are heartless and they're going to go for the kill every time. And everybody's laughing because his pants were unzipped. He hadn't said anything. He hadn't done anything yet. And everybody was laughing at him. He wrote in big, bold, sharpie pen, block letters, I'm a terrible public speaker. If I take the stage, people laugh at me. Big, bold letters. You can see it, right? You can visualize big, bold letters in a sharpie. When I take the stage, people laugh at me. Nobody takes me seriously. And then the story can go on. Nobody takes me seriously. I don't have anything important to say. Are you getting my gift here? I'm like, are you getting this? <laughs> is this making any sense? I hope it is because that's what we do. It was mortifying in first grade to have everybody pointing and laughing at you. And you made it a story and it's written in black Sharpie, big, bold letters, and it's filed in your Rolodex in your brain. Fast forward, now you're in seventh or eighth grade and you're in some kind of speech class that's, you know, part of the curriculum, speech, debate, whatever it's called at your school. And you're petrified to go in front of the class and do your first thing because you immediately pulled out that index card from first grade that says that you're a terrible speaker and people will laugh at you. Fast forward a little bit. Now you're in college and you have to get up in front of your class and you have to read your paper or give a talk about your paper. And as you're walking up to the front of the class, you trip over a chair and everybody laughs because it's kind of funny because you tripped over a chair. Now you have even more evidence that it's true that you're a terrible public speaker and people will laugh at you. And then it goes on a little further. Now you have a corporate job. You're asked to give a presentation in a huge hotel ballroom full of people. And there's a stage. And you have to walk up the steps to get on the stage to give your presentation. You've had a lot of years of evidence that people don't take you seriously. That people will laugh at you when take, you take the stage. And I don't mean laugh at you like you're a comedian and they're supposed to laugh. I mean, something happens and they laugh at you. Not necessarily with you, at you. You start laughing too, right? Because you want it to be like, we're all in this together. But you're not all in this together. They're laughing at you and you're just humiliated and trying to pay it off. Has this happened to anybody? I can't be the only one. Please tell me you had this happen to you too. So now you're walking through that huge ballroom and for whatever reason, your table's at the back and you bump a couple of chairs, people's water spills. 
You almost take out a waitress who has an entire platter full of glasses of, of liquid, wine, water, whatever. You bump into her and she very nervously kind of giggles and tries to get away from you because you're like a bull in a china shop at this point. And you get to the stairs and you take the first stair and the second step and then you hit the third step and you lose your balance and you and you trip up the stairs. And the first time I said something about tripping upstairs, somebody was like, really? You trip upstairs? I thought people fell downstairs. Nope. I remember when I was in seventh and eighth grade, we had a two-story building in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade at my school. I can't tell you how many times walking up the steps, I missed a step and I fell up the stairs, did it all the time. And whomever was around laughed because it was kind of funny because I fell up the stairs. So you're going up to give this presentation. You have now bumped into chairs and spilled people's water. You almost took out a waitress and then you stumble up the steps getting to the lectern so you can give your presentation. Well, now you have to say something funny, right? Because you've had all of this stuff happen on your way, on your way to the Coliseum. I think that's a book or a movie. But you're on your way up. Everybody laughs. What happens? That Rolodex card from first grade is pulled out and you keep adding to it. It's almost like in Harry Potter when Hermione and Harry and Ronald have that bag that they just, she, well, I think it's Hermione's bag. And she just keeps pulling stuff out of. It's like that index card just keeps allowing more and more and more data proof to be written on it. That when you walk up the steps to give a speech or walk up to the front of the room to give a speech, people are going to laugh at you. People are going to laugh at you. So what do you do now? You're a grown person. You're an adult. You're a successful entrepreneur, business owner, leader. What now? Do you have to live with this forever? No, no, you absolutely do not. What you need to do, if you want to break this cycle, is identify the story going through your head, what you're telling yourself. I often refer to them as pesky thoughts. What are the pesky thoughts running around your head that are keeping you in this state of fumbling the ball when you need to take the stage? Big stage, little stage, doesn't really matter. What are those thoughts? Nobody will take me seriously. I'm not smart enough to be up there. There are a lot smarter people than me to be giving this talk. Well, I submit to you, you have the opportunity to flip those around from negative, hateful statements to positive, reaffirming statements. I'm not smart enough is turned into, I'm a very intelligent person. There are other people who can do this better than I can. I'm the only one who can deliver this material in my way. So whatever your negative thoughts are, switch them to the positive. 
make a positive statement about it. I can't do this because I can and will do this. Make your list. Make your list of those negative things that you say to yourself all of the time. Chances are those are the things holding you back. And these messages become ingrained on your subconscious and become part of every fiber of your being and end up making up the wisdom within. But it's faulty. It's faulty wisdom based on bad data. You just go back and find all the times that it's true, but you have the opportunity to break it quickly and easily. So make your list of three to five things you say to yourself all the time. I'm a klutz. I'm no good at sports. I'm always late. Turn them around. I am graceful. I'm very athletic. And what was the third one? What did I say? You get the picture. You get the picture. You know what I'm saying here. Turn your negatives into positives. Then record your voice saying them. Record it in your voice. Studies have shown that it is more impactful to hear your own voice with affirmations than it is somebody else's. Record it on your phone. Play it back three to five times a day. Put it in an app called Think, T-H-I-N-K, Up, U-P. No, I'm not paid. No, I'm not affiliated with them. But you can do that. And you can record it and then you can play them back. If a leap seems too big for you, add the words, I'm willing to. I'm willing to be the smartest one in the room. If this seems too big and too hard, chances are all the emotions you feel around these thoughts are blocking you from flipping them into a positive and making major change in your life. I can help you with that. If you are ready to take a step at changing this around, let me help you figure out the best way to say this so that it's in a positive, not a negative. In the show notes, you will find the link to book a discovery call with me. And this discovery call is to discover what positive things you can say for yourself to yourself that you will believe. I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.